Is it possible to disagree and still be friends? The answer is yes, and we are here to prove it. Join our group of badass sirens as we step out of our comfort zone and onto our soapboxes to sound off on our latest adventure. We might not always agree, but we will always love each other. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. Welcome to Siren Soapbox and a very happy Earth Week. In honor of Earth Week, we are diving into a controversial topic right now, the 2021 Netflix documentary about the fishing industry and its environmental impacts, Seaspiracy. We are all on this mothership together and have to figure out best practices in order to sustain our limited resources. Watching this documentary, you will certainly take a deep dive into the dark side of the fishing industry and their suggestion on how you can help save our planet. Spoiler alert, for anyone who hasn't seen the documentary yet, this film takes you on the British filmmaker's Ali Tabrizi's journey on how he wanted to spread awareness on how to save his once romanticized image of the ocean by skipping single-use plastics that led him down a rabbit hole exposing the truth about the problematic plastics in our seas. Greenwashing, the aquarium industry, whaling, shark finning, corrupt businesses, even murder cover-ups and slavery. To help us navigate these difficult waters, we have a very special guest that the Sirens actually discovered going down the gratitude rabbit hole. And I am so excited for her to chat with us tonight and for TC to introduce our special guest after TC's soapbox. Um, then this guest is going to try her tale as a guest siren on her two minute soapbox. If at any point the conversation gets too heated, the safe word is mango. Mango. First up on her soapbox is Mur. All right. Thank you so much for having me tonight, friends. I had to stall because I had to find my soapbox. Okay. The beginning of Seaspiracy had me believing that the, the host, Ollie, wanted to save whales and dolphins by fighting the number one polluter in our oceans, single-use plastics. After all, plastics are destroying our oceans, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm really sorry about that. After spending weeks cleaning up beaches in his hometown, he began to feel overwhelmed by the amount of plastic he would have to clean up to make a difference. Then he heard that Japan wanted to resume whale hunting legally, and that was just the ammunition he needed to shift his focus to the fishing industry. As with any industry, if you look hard enough, you're going to find corruption. And I'm not discounting the obvious humanitarian crises that were portrayed in the film. I'm simply suggesting that, of course, he would find corruption in the commercial fishing industry because the commercial fishing industry exists. He even circled back to his original claim of plastic being the demise of our oceans when he suggested that most of the plastics in our oceans is from fishing. Being a scuba diver, I've had the unfortunate opportunity to see how devastating fishing line can be to, the, to our marine life. But will eliminating commercial fishing really save our oceans? I think no. <clears throat> I believe that eliminating the livelihood for an entire global population of people is not the answer to fixing our polluted oceans, and it would create a myriad of other problems for the humans on our planet who feed their families by fishing. I do not believe that not consuming seafood is the answer to this problem either. I also don't believe that eliminating single-use plastics or stopping the drilling for oil or driving an electric car or only eating vegetables is the answer. 
But that's the problem that I have with this documentary. Ali laid out the single solution to solving the pollution in our waters. Stop eating fish. Stop supporting commercial fishing. Stop, Ali, just stop. I respectfully disagree. In my opinion, it will take all of us making a collective shift in all of our habits, not just eliminating seafood from our diet that will help us heal our planet, including the beautiful oceans that I love so much. And now, next on her soapbox is... Jess. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I got all wrapped up in that. Forgot where I was going. Thank you guys so much. Uh, well, uh, basically ditto. No, <laughs> um, honestly, I am very surprised that I made it through the whole documentary. Um, I did fast forward a few times. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I hated it. I hated it so much um but I did it I committed um I don't believe that horrifying people and sharing dead animals has ever changed anybody's mind um I have a big problem with friends on Facebook sharing pictures of abused animals or dead animals um it's it was the same way um especially the first, I didn't think I was going to make it past the first 10 minutes in this because of all the, the dead animals. Um, and then like Mar said, it, it only presented a single solution. Um, he did not, he talked about sustainable fisheries and how they're all evil. You can't collectively say that. Um, yes. Overfishing is a problem. Yes, not having regulated practices a lot of places is a problem. Um, I think a big problem I had with this was that a lot of the fingers were pointed at Asia. And yes, Asia has a lot of problems with it. Yes, China actually, they do use shark fins, but they have cut it way back. It's actually been... Um, frowned upon by the government um, and where it used to be endorsed by the government and it was considered a delicacy by the um, higher ups in the government and that's why everybody wanted it. They've now started speaking out against it and it's actually decreased a lot. Um, it's obviously gonna take time, but I feel like that's a step in the right direction. So he didn't talk about any of the, the good changes. Um, it, it was all just, bad and evil. So um, not offering any more than one solution is not going to change anything. So and next up is TC. Lauren. Elsie. We're just <laughs> it's me. I know. <laughs> we act like we've done this before, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just like the documentaries creator, I was exposed to the oceans by SeaWorld at a very young age. And that's when I fell head over heels with dolphins. Um, without that experience, I don't know that I would ever have gotten up close to such a magnificent animal. And that moment fueled my passion to work at a local aquarium. And I was totally sucked into the just say no to straw craze, pun fully intended. Um, I ran the conservation team at work and my son with a friend sold reusable straws and raised over $5,000 
for the Karen Beasley Sea Turtle Hospital. After walking the, watching this documentary and from my previous experience, I totally feel like I was a pawn, or I guess more fittingly, a prawn in this grander scheme. Um, the fact that aquariums benefit from the fishing industry and the fishing industry cause most of the plastic pollution, but then aquariums are cheerleaders and educators for the just say no single plastic movement. I also wanna point out that Coca-Cola is the brand of choice for most aquariums in the US. And according to Forbes.com, Coke is the largest plastic polluter worldwide. This seems disjointed to me, and it also seems like there's some sort of malicious agenda with bigger corporations. Uh, I think that single-use plastics are a very easy target. If you look down any street, I guarantee you you're going to find some sort of plastic rubbish. There is so much problems there, too, that needs to be addressed. But if you people aren't going to think that fishing nets are the problem. Most people don't go out to the, the Pacific and see that, that big patch of garbage. Um, but mostly the, the documentary is pretty depressing for me. I spent a lot of time looking away from the gore of the animals being violently killed. Um, I also kind of felt like there really isn't anything that we can do and all of your efforts aren't going to make a difference and anything you have done in the past has just been in vain. Um, and it really hit on a much deeper and darker problem that we have worldwide with the, the murders and the slavery. I don't understand where everything has gotten so out of control. It really seems that it boils down to that the root of the problem is mass consumerism. And ultimately that's going to kill us one way or another. And my main takeaway is that Bruce from Finding Nemo, as he said, fish are friends, not food. And up next is TC. <laughs> All right. Um, I dreaded watching this documentary. And honestly, the only reason I did was for Siren Soapbox. I am a guardian of my happiness. And sometimes that means being choosy about what I watch and listen to. In fact, I only choose happy. When I have the choice, I watch only happy things and listen only to upbeat, positive music. It is my belief that if we all find the areas in which we feel led to make the changes we can and concentrate on just those areas, then we can all make the changes that we wanna see in the world. And though this film did fit in with one of the areas in which I hope to have a positive impact, sea turtle conservation, I would still have decided not to watch it. But Siren Soapbox is all about getting out of our comfort zones, so watch I did. This documentary covered so many different social and environmental issues that we have and blamed everything on the fishing industry. There were so many issues covered, it was overwhelming to me. It left me wondering who I could trust and what I could do. I don't know how this type of overwhelming feeling of doom can be good for any of the issues we are facing. On a positive note, I am interested in doing a little extra research on some of the claims made in the documentary, especially claims surrounding the Dolphin Safe Tuna Label and Earth Island Institute. Though I care very much for the sea and the animals living in it, I mean, I have to. I live on a small island surrounded by the sea. She said, and yes! <laughs> and I love to dive. The documentary has increased my awareness that things aren't always what they seem to be. 
I already do not eat sea creatures. I volunteer my time and give money to support a couple sea turtle conservation groups. I choose to keep my attention on the sea turtles of the world. Like I said before, I believe that if everyone would identify their passion area and do what they can to make a difference in just that area, the world would be headed in a better direction. Next on her soapbox is Liz Ward Singh. And so a short introduction, speaking of finding your area of passion and doing what you can in that area, we are so excited to have a special guest on this episode of Siren Soapbox. Elizabeth Ward Singh knows what it means to make a difference. She is co-director of a shark conservation organization along with her husband called Shark Guardian. Shark Guardian makes a difference through their four pillars, conservation, education, research, and expeditions. Liz also leads a private group called Inspiring Awesome Women, Health, Happiness, Abundance. Through this group, she tirelessly cheers on and challenges women from around the world to be the strongest, best version of themselves. And she gives them some tools to do just that. The Sirens joined her not long ago for a five-day study of a book about gratitude and how it can change your life. And we are full of gratitude that Liz is here with us tonight for this special Earth Day episode of Siren Soapbox as we sound off on this Netflix documentary, Sea Spiracy. Liz, it's your soapbox. Welcome. Hi. What an introduction. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, ladies. It is a pleasure. Um, wonderful to hear all of your insights. And I think that's covered most of the angles that I seem to have heard from friends and family and supporters who have watched Seaspiracy. It does touch on a lot of different areas about things that are wrong or problems or issues in our ocean and on our planet full stop. And you cannot get overwhelmed by it all. All those issues are very real. Whether there was a slant put on certain ones, and there was when anybody makes a movie or documentary, there's always a focus. There's always somebody with a big pot of money who needs to make something out of a documentary or a movie. My biggest thing, yeah, apart from the shock tactics, the thing is I built up to that documentary. It took me two or three weeks to watch it. And everyone was asking me, what do you think of it? What's going on? Da, 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 da. But me and my husband said, we're just going to have to be ready for this because we know there's going to be shock tactics. So um, I thought it was actually going to be worse than it was. I have seen the cove, the end of the line, um, addicted to plastic, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. Those are just some of the documentaries out there. Cowspiracy. There are so many things out there that have an ulterior motive. But you know what? If even just one person takes a look at their life, takes a look at their choices and makes some small changes, to, to make a better difference to our oceans and our planet, then I think it's a good thing. Now, it does leave you with a bitter taste, this movie. I think as animal lovers, you know, if you're a diver, you're gonna be an animal lover. So it is hard hitting. And yeah, we all love turtles and, and dolphins um, and whales. And that's been the big thing from some of my friends. Some people need a shock tactic just to, again, just to review some of the very small things that they're doing in life. Some people are reflecting on this movie and saying no seafood ever again. Some people have walked away and said, well, actually me doing beach cleanups or not drinking with a plastic straw is not making a difference. Now that, that is wrong. 
and I've got, I just took some videos yesterday, just cycling on our little back streets here in Thailand about what a big issue it is. And every dive I do in Thailand right now, I'm removing fishing hooks, lines and nets from the ocean. So my summary, <laughs> there are lots and lots of things going on. Years ago, when we first, before we started doing Shark Guardian, we ran a resort in Indonesia, in North Sulawesi. Um, so we're talking, this was 2010, 2011. We used to have people every day moaning about the lack of fish that they were seeing in the ocean. Why aren't we seeing big fish? Why aren't we seeing barracuda? Why aren't we seeing tuna? And then we're sitting there eating fish. <laughs> and we would say, yeah, you know, something's not matching up here. Yeah, we're supporting the locals fishing, but how can you be saying that when you're seeing this? When I became a diving instructor in 2009, my mentor said to me, 80 to 90% of all the big pelagic fish have disappeared already. This was, you know, this is over 10 years ago. And the end of the line came out in 2009 and it highlighted a lot of these things about the extent of long lining, the extent of the commercial fishing industry, trawling nets that could encompass whole cities, let alone, you know, large areas of the ocean. So all these things that they touched on in this um, sea spiracy have actually been brought to our attention before. It's just social media now is bringing it more to our attention. And it's just our duty to decide, like you said, do the extra research, decide what small changes you can make and don't feel guilty <laughs> or overwhelmed by this amount of knowledge do a bit more research and just start to make some small changes because they can make a difference. Thank you. I can say lots more, but I think let's, <laughs> let's open it out now. Thank you for that. I, I left last night. I, I woke up this morning. Well, first of all, like I watched it before, right before Mark and I went to bed last night. So I like thought about it before I fell asleep. And it was the first thing I thought about when I woke up and I'm just like, it, it makes, it does make me feel helpless. That's how I felt after watching this film. Like I completely agree 100% that it's to, to heal the planet. We're going to do good things in our passion areas. That makes sense to me. Um, I don't know, I, but giving up seafood, like, for the entire planet to quit eating seafood seems so unrealistic also not only is he saying that this is the thing that's going to do it but he's suggesting everyone do it and i don't think that's realistic we also watched it before going to bed and we watched it about a week ago i think it was you do need days to process it you do mm -hmm. need days to and, and again i don't know if you have any of you have watched the Cove, first of all, have you, have have you watched The Cove? That was 2006 or seven. I watched that and I watched Sharkwater. Have you seen Sharkwater? I mean, we need to maybe put, put a list of, of these powerful I'm Writing them down. <laughs> yeah. The Cove. <laughs> I watched, what about Blackfish? Blackfish was kind of up oh, there Oh yeah, too. that was a more recent one. That should be. Mm -hmm. So The Cove and um, Sharkwater were, were made in 2006, 2007. Um, Rob Stewart's Sharkwater is one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing. And it really started to shed a line on the shark finning industry and all the corruption and all the stuff behind it. Um, so, you know, those were, were, were 
were created a long time ago. I watched them when I was doing my dive master and I, I cried, I cried and cried. I just couldn't, again, you know, if you watched the cove, I mean, it was, it was Lauren who mentioned, um, you know, dolphins. Again, we all have a, a, a connection to dolphins. Um, you, you, you feel it, you, you, you see how, how can this be happening? And when I watched Sea Spiracy, my reaction, I kept saying this to Brendan, my husband, why is this still going on? And it is still going on. Why is it going on? Who's hiding this? Again, and it's big companies that are making lots of money. All these different stakeholders that you've got no idea about, the bigger picture, and they sweep it under the carpet. And, and it's the, the media, the big filmmakers, um, sorry, TV stations that decide what they put out there for you know, the general public to see and to listen to and to hear. And it, that's that's what's the hardest thing that's going to stop. That is hard. We've got no control over it. But the commercial fishing, and, and again, you, you touched on this, Mur, um, it's the extent, and I was having a conversation about sustainable fishing and shark fishing with Brendan, because this is something we get in a debate at as a shark organisation. You know, sustainable fishing or shark fishing in the world we live in is just not possible. And it's because the commercial fishing industries are so big, their fishing methods are so, and again, we were saying this when we first started doing our Shark Guardian presentations um, seven or eight years ago, it is out of control, the size of the nets, the long lines that could reach from where we are standing to outer space, all those oh, hooks that are just catching every single thing in, it, in its path. That's what's wrong. Yet you've got, as you were shown, the little African villages, you know, villages in Indonesia that do that could be going and managing. They used to just take what they needed to feed themselves and their local vi villages. That's where it's gone wrong. Agreed. Yes, we had that I conversation agree. with a group of people here. Um, I live in the Caribbean, and we were just talking about seaspiracy and that we had watched this for the show, and somebody said. You know, it's those, those fishers taking the parrotfish out of the sea. And okay, I love the parrotfish and they really don't even taste that good. So why we're fishing parrotfish when they're so good for the sea and not tasting. But anyway, you know, I said, it's not really the fishermen that are here. If the only thing that we had were the fishermen that were here in their fishing boats, like, and I'm talking right. the, the small fishermen, three people on a boat going out to catch what they can and sell it down the street at the market. There wouldn't be a problem. There wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. But I'll go out with friends and they'll say, you know, I, I want the I want a shrimp, whatever. And Dean looks at me. He's like, can I order shrimp? I'm like, I guess if you don't like the turtles, go ahead. Have the shrimp. <laughs> 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 when, so, my mom comes, uh, when my mum comes here to visit she you know like a lot of people you go on holiday and it's like yeah I'm going to have seafood because I've got or you know I'm going to have the local fish because you've got this little image of the man sitting hooking and, and pulling the fish am I allowed to have that Liz you know am I allowed to have that um which is really really interesting and normally it's like oh I'm just going to settle for shrimp and, and again, that's a whole, whole new, a whole topic in itself. You know, I live in Thailand. There are shrimp farms absolutely everywhere. And I knew, did it come, did it say the stats on Seaspiracy that for every, no, it gave the stat about salmon, farmed salmon. Didn't salmon it? farms, yeah. But um, with, um, with shrimp farming, it's a similar thing. You know, for every kilo of shrimp that's farmed, you, you use 10 or 20 kilos of bycatch or other 
possibly non-sustainable fish or whatever to feed it and it's just again it's something that we're just not shown and not told about and you think yeah that's the easy solution because it's not the big fishermen out in the ocean it's it's something yeah that you think again it's green it's an element of greenwashing or blue washing I don't know if the terms are starting to become a little bit you know greenwashing for stuff on the the land or Mm. blue washing for the ocean well it's all connected so (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's all, uh, you know, one survive, one provides for the other and and it's all connected. I was talking to my husband about this before I even watched it yesterday and, you know, told him that I wasn't excited about it. And, um, you know, he was talking about the the slippery slope of, of what you were talking about, Liz, of, so people watch this and it's just, I mean, however long it was, an hour and a half of just non-stop doom and gloom and you come out of it with you could very easily come out of it with the idea of well why the hell am I bothering to use metal straws or not use plastic cutlery it's so much easier and it's obviously not making a difference so then you give up like and so maybe that's not the majority of what's out in the ocean but it's there and if you can make a difference sitting here then why wouldn't you make a difference yeah i I did want to rebuttal to to jess's when did a graphic image ever change anybody's mind and that image of the sea turtle with the straw in his nose changed millions Mm. of people's minds that started the whole it started the whole skip the straw movement so i think that does work in limited quantities it does. I, I actually wrote but that was not limited quantities when we watched it. I wrote I the same thing down. I have a friend who's, whose parents, I'm not sure what they were thinking, but they took her to a slaughterhouse when she was five and she hasn't eaten meat since. So it can, those images can definitely change behaviors. I just felt like on this documentary, there were, and there were overwhelming, like he covered every societal issue we have. And at some point I was like, whoa, this is overload for me. That's how I felt too. It was completely overwhelming for so much. And it was all so awful. (laughs) And it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you are all experienced divers. You are dive professionals and divers. And this is what I found when, when I first started, when I first met Brendan, um, and then I first heard him do a version of Shark Guardian presentation. So our big thing is education for those that are listening. Um, we think if you can give the correct information, people can make better choices. We don't ram it down people's neck. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. But hey, this is what's happening. Do better. Make better choices. And I remember what listening to what he was saying and watching The Cove and um, uh, you know the other documentaries. And just saying, God, I'm a dive professional with a lot of diving experience. If I don't know about this, what has Joe Public got any idea about it? So that's the difference. And, right. uh, you know, and we've got very different levels. So I hope those that don't even have a connection with the ocean aren't just scared and put off by it. Um, because, well, yeah, plastic, plastic straws, I, you know, I walk down the beach and they're everywhere. You know, I'm surrounded by these everywhere. little coffee shops. Every, you know plastic cups with the little plastic bag so they can hold it on the motorbike and a plastic straw is the common and we go to restaurants and coffee shops and that's what you're given when you're sitting in mm. and that's just one little town in one country that's what's just oh 
hitting well, my head against the wall. And, well, and to that point, I live in Cincinnati. Well, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I am nowhere near an ocean. And before Seaspiracy was released, trying to talk to people in Cincinnati about how using straws in Cincinnati is bad for our oceans that aren't touching our state in any way, shape or form. Well, no, we have a river that connects to the Gulf. That Elsie, I understand that, but (laughs) I'm telling you, it is my experience having this conversation in real life with people. They're like, it doesn't matter what I do here. I'm nowhere near the ocean. And then this dude releases this freaking documentary. They're like, see, told you it doesn't even matter if you're on a beach. You're right. That is a huge problem. People think that what they're doing doesn't make a difference. And it absolutely does. The documentary really made it seem like small things didn't matter because that's exactly right. And there are huge, massive things that completely outweigh the small things, but it shouldn't, we should not stop doing the small things. Agreed. They add up. They do add up. And they're so important. And I, in my opinion, the small things are way more important than trying to take down the commercial fishing industry. Because if every one of us focuses on small things, we're going to make such a big impact because there are so many of us. There is some positive though. I'm willing to bet that the average person has no idea that a salmon farm does as much damage as that movie helped us understand. No idea. I had no idea. I had no idea that the dolphin safe label didn't literally mean it was dolphin safe. I had no idea. That's I said that to Mark today. I was like, so I guess I'm just never eating tuna again. I really don't know what to do. The really the only reason I ever ate salmon was for the omega three fatty acids, which apparently is from algae. So I'm actually really looking forward to trying some plant based seafood. Okay, so all of a sudden, look at the little changes we are talking about from this documentary that was overwhelming to all of us. Right. I will tell you that the other day I was on a sailboat doing um, a, a sunset sail and we saw the tuna jumping. <gasps> just They're huge and they're just like jumping. And so we're watching like, whoa, what is that? Everyone look and everyone's looking to see like, are those dolphins? They don't look like dolphins. What is that? They're massive. And the captain of the boat was like, yeah, those are tuna. They've been jumping the last few days. And so it's so cool because where they're jumping, there are all these little fish jumping. And so all the birds are everywhere. It was just like magic. The happy, the happy picture that you want to see was happening. It's nice. So I also had no idea that it's, maybe I heard it incorrectly. Is tuna an endangered species? Or just a specific type of tuna? It's, it's talking mainly about bluefin tuna. And again, in the end of the line, which was, I'm sure it was 2009. I get the dates a bit mixed up. They highlighted the same thing that Mitsubishi, you know, that we all probably just associated with cars, even back or then. Or electronics, was, yeah. Were, yeah, 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 electronics as well. It was at that point even pushing this species to the bridge of extinction. And what they were doing, rather than trying to be sustainable and, right, well, let's just take a few because we're fueling the, the sashimi, the um, sushi industry. 
um, what they thought was, well, you know what, let's just fish as many as we can and because we can freeze them. And then when they do go extinct, we can sell them for like, you know, millions of pounds because there's all these people who love it and they're going to pay the money. You know, it's Gosh. money, money it's, driven again. So when, when it was showing those big tuna, we were like, why is this still, is you know. such a disgusting thing to think about. <laughs> I was I wondering, like, what is their plan when there are no more fish in the oceans? Like, they are going to fish themselves out of a job. And that's, that's eye-opening. If you think about the word endangered, full stop, if you think about any animal, people only take note when they hear that it's endangered. Think Agreed. about this. Was there, a, like, a, a rhino? There was, like, one left or something. And then people took notes and then a poacher went and shot it because oh yeah I can make money because it's the last one left so I'm going to just sell its horn for x amount of money that's it people don't take and this is what we're we're very clear to do with with when we do our presentation so we show lots of different species of sharks there's the organization called the IUCN the International Union for the Conservation of Nature and they classify all land and marine species, um, a bit like a traffic like of how, you know, least concerned right through to critically endangered. And there's different steps along the way, depending on how many, um, what, how many have been fished or taken already. You know, we say, let's not start to worry when it's critically endangered or, uh, sorry, when it's endangered or the step before, we need to, to, to get, you know, in the early stage, when it starts to become a problem, before it becomes, you know, a, a massive concern, that's when we need to take note. And the problem is, is research for managing these numbers as well. You know, a lot of these are based on fishing boats, landing their stock. <laughs> their, their data, their logs. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> about their bycatch. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, how do we monitor this? How do we regulate it? How do we know that the stats we're given are, are, are true? You know, it's a whole minefield. And again, that's another thing that you make and go, oh my God. But again, doing the small bits, doing your research, looking into it and talking. And, you know, the biggest thing for myself and Brendan, why we ended up doing Shark Guardian. Sorry if I'm talking a lot. And there's a lot no, of this can, is so interesting. We are loving it. Keep <laughs> talking. Keep going down these different routes, but, you know, it's my thing anyway. So I first dived in the waters close to here around an island called Koh Lanta off the um, west coast of Thailand in um, 2007. I first went traveling around the world. Um, and at that point, so when I first dived in Thailand, we used to go to these dive sites and leopard sharks. They're actually zebra sharks. They're not the leopard sharks you get, you know, get in the States. I love it's, zebra uh, sharks. Zebra sharks. <laughs> so when they're baby, they're like black and white stripe and then they grow and they morph and they, they have they more have like spots. A, a leopard. Yeah, which is why we call them here leopard sharks. Mm -hmm. So beautiful sharks, you know, they can breathe, they can lie on the bottom of the ocean and breathe. They've got powerful muscles. They don't have to keep swimming so they can actually breathe whilst lying down, you know, and you can lie close to them and watch them. And, you know, I'd take divers and we'd go and lie and watch, you know, and you'd see two or three per dives guaranteed. The previous few years, Brendan said, he used to see four or five, like you guaranteed to drop in on certain dive sites and you would see these sharks, okay. Even with two years of first of all, traveling and go diving and then coming back and working on those sites. So going regular within two years, we started to, it started to be that if we saw one leopard shark and that was all our dives over a week, that was like a special thing. That was two years. Wow. That was, that was us witnessing it on all of us going like, what the hell is going on here? This, so this is 2009, 2010. Then we went to uh, working in Indonesia. 
we were seeing less sharks, we were hearing the words, these movies would come out, and it was just like, holy crap, this is massive. This stuff is happening, and we are witnessing it. And this is why, well, one of the reasons we said, we've got to do shark guarding, we've got to hit the road, we've got to go into the schools, we've got to get out there, we've got to go to dive communities. We've got to say, this is what we're seeing. This is not just, you know, a documentary telling this stuff. And we've got to do it now before it's too late because we've got a duty to do this. And that, mm-hmm. and that, you know, and this is it. When you see it for yourself, you guys, you can talk to your friends and yeah, you're going to have people resistant. I have people saying, no, I love fish. I'm never going to change it. But I can give you the information and you can decide what to do with that information. And you've got to have people like us who do say, you know what? I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to hit the road. I'm going to do whatever to see if I can make a difference because otherwise I'll, I'll regret that I didn't take that choice. Right. Uh, Liz, I did notice in the documentary that the Marine Stewardship Council was one of the companies that was listed as like a corporation that was claiming to lead consumers to eco-friendly options. And I noticed on your site you guys have a call to action for them. Can you tell us a little bit more about that call to action and how this can lead to some positive change? Yeah, it's great timing because it's going to be a little bit more released today, actually. Oh, um, yay. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> that was not planted. Not, not at all. Thank you, universe. Yeah, I know. Yes. It's, it's crazy. There's so many synchronicities and, you know, coincidences, as you call Anyway, I was talking about it with Brendan today because, yes, there are, there are going to be official releases sent out today. It was touched on in Seaspiracy and we were just like, aha, okay. Um, it's another example, again, of greenwashing or bluewashing. And this is, this is the thing the world over right now. I think it all comes down to that. What we're being told versus what is the reality. Now, when I used to eat fish more than 10 years ago, yeah, I would look for that blue label. The same you're talking about with dolph- with, with tuna or whatever. You do you trust these things because these yes. are big organizations that are tried and tested. And that is my safety harness to know that I'm, you know, doing the best I can in the situation. Yeah, so- I'm trying to be an educated consumer, damn it. <laughs> Absolutely. So the MSC, um, People pay the MSC so that they can have the MSC label on their products. It comes down to money again. And they do not have a policy in place regarding shark finning. So Mm. there are many countries who have banned shark finning full stop. And some countries have this thing called a fins attached. So depending on what you know about shark finning, you know, it's brutal. And the images you see, it's because the fins are sliced off and the body's thrown back into the ocean. Shark's still alive. It oh. suffers a horrible death while it's floating to the bottom. Or if you're talking about the leopard shark I just talked about, that could lie on the bottom of the ocean for a couple of days because it's still breathing. It's still breathing. You know, it's oh. like a person having its arms and legs chucked off and just said, ego, just, you know, just do Good luck. So, yeah. <clears throat> so to, to, because the shark bodies take up room on the boat, shark finning became the thing where they did and just keep the fins. And that's why the numbers of sharks in our oceans rapidly declined due to shark finning. Um, and why you get these illegal fishing boats that have got hundreds or thousands of fins stashed in there underneath that they say they're doing sustainable fishing. You know, there was word about this in the Galapagos not like long ago. We weren't sure what, what the fishing boats are actually doing. Are they a mask? 
you know, they have said squid fishing these Chinese boats. Or was it a cover for something else? So this, this is what's going on. So some countries, like a lot in Europe, suggested this uh, fins attached policy. So you have to land the, the body with the fins still attached. So then it encourages the fishermen or companies to use the whole part of the shark. So it's less wasteful. So, you know, if you have to find a middle ground, it's a, it's a better option. So basically the, the MSC are giving their name to different fishing companies who are not fishing sustainably, even though they're then saying they are. They, they, the MSC have have kind of loopholes within their standards and they are not, and you saw this on, on Seaspiracy that they couldn't answer, MSC wouldn't even answer about what was going on. Um, so they are turning a blind eye basically to illegal fishing practices, to possibly endangered species being captured. And, and what we're saying is we want them to be more transparent. If you are saying, you know, if, if the average person is relying on your sign to think they are making a good choice. They should know that they're not killing tuna or uh, sorry, dolphins or sharks or whales as a result. They need to have that guarantee. And right now, MSC are not showing that. And so we've collaborated with a lot of other organizations to really get them to pull the finger out and make a statement about this. Um, you might have noticed since Seaspiracy, I don't know if you looked on any of the MSC um, Facebook pages or website. They're I trying, haven't gotten there yet. Yep. They're trying to, to kind of cover up and to show they're doing this, this, this. But they are still not coming out and saying, we have a blanket, no shark fin, um, you know, no sharks injured, no endangered species. They've got no policy on that. And, and it's as simple as, come on, guys. <laughs> Right and follow through with a policy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's interesting time. It's interesting timing. Have a look at what we will be publishing today. We've been in. The oh, I will. It'll be tomorrow for us. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, yeah. It's what yeah. you're publishing on Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday the twentieth of April. Tuesday. Yeah, okay. let's say the dates. Yeah, so then we don't get confused. Time zones really confuse me. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's another can of worms that's going to be thrown out there and we'll we'll see what comes as a result of that. And if we actually get a statement from the MSC regarding this, because so far, even the, the communication we've tried to have with them, they're not willing to talk. Well, and I know everybody on this call loves sharks. And <laughs> I love that you said you listened to the fear episode. And on there, we talked about none of us are afraid of sharks and a lot of people are, and I'm sure people are like, who cares about, you know, their sharks are scary. What are some ways that shark guardian educates the public about sharks and is to see them as something that isn't scary? Yeah. I think, you know, the main thing we're kind of hitting our heads against is, um, the jaws, the movie <laughs> that, you know, we no. all a similar age. <laughs> And if we have some underlying fears, it's because of that music, isn't it? Da, 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 da. True, it's yeah, true. you probably got a bit yeah. you know, and it's people like us who have got kids and are telling their kids, oh, be careful, there's a shark behind you. There's this react. I see it and I see it all the time. Be careful, there's a shark, you know, there's flat. Oh, it's just this this kind of scare tactics. You know, Jaws was made in 1975. And we go into schools and kids, even now, you know. I know that's the thing. So crazy. 
it's mental it's you know it's it's kind of affected a whole generation so we're trying to give the facts we're trying to say you know um sharks are cool i mean and it, it comes down to the importance <laughs> they of are sharks. cool <laughs> I, did, you just had a meme on your facebook page about with like six thousand people are attacked by goats every year and <laughs> small number of people are attacked by sharks and we sign up and pay for goat yoga people where the fuck where the fuck is shark yoga i want shark yoga maybe that's my next thing maybe that's my next calling there we go me i'll be there this sounds like this sounds like the best Patty's women, Patty Women's Dive Day event ever. Shark <laughs> <Yes>. yoga. <laughs> What's goat yoga? Can we just go back to goat oh yoga? Oh my gosh! Is that not yeah. something on your side of the world? Have yeah. you never heard of goat yoga? Come on, it's it's, it's yoga, yoga where they let goats run around and they'll like jump on your back and stuff. Like dog Google yoga. Google that later. Yeah, we'll that. Enjoy. yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that definitely not oh my god okay so talking about goats talking about goats reminds me of lice which brings me back to sea spiracy and salmon like sea lice I'm serious that who, was the, gross. That who was the fuck gross. knew that sea lice was a thing is that real like what I mean it was real I saw it those I've never heard of that. All, like eaten up on top. Ugh. That was oh, that was disgusting bad. and awful. Bad news. And they put dye in the in salmon? their food. So I did know that. So the, me, like I said, I only eat salmon for the health benefits. I'm like, well, you don't eat farm raised salmon because they feed it pellets with different color. I knew that. However, I did not know that. Um, I, I didn't know what a salmon farm looked like. Like I had never actually seen a picture of it. It's pretty gnarly. Pretty bad. There's things swimming in circles when they're used to like swimming upstream. I mean, oh, gosh, it's this so romantic awful. image. How many quotes are there in the world about salmon swimming upstream to motivate all of us to do what we need to do? And here we are. They're swimming in circles. Well, here's the thing too, though. It might be out in the open, but it's still a closed system. Exactly. They cannot get away. They are stuck to whatever parasites or whatever anything comes along. Wants to come and get them. Yes. But that part was awful. Sorry. Why sharks are so. I know. I'm sorry. I I, I got distracted by sea life. Goats goats and sea life. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Welcome to Siren Soapbox. But they're all connected. This is it. And I was going to say, right? you know, ultimately, if we want to survive on the planet, you know, it's Sylvia Earls, Earls quote, without blue, there is no green. And that comes down to if we want to survive, if we want our beautiful nature around us, you do need the ocean. And sharks are king of the ocean. Sharks are top of the food chain. You've got orcas as the other predator. You know, you've seen orcas do have a little battle with the great white sharks every now and then. And they do win because orcas hunt in packs. Um, But you have this, you know, this pyramid that, again, very simplistic form, You've got big sharks, you've got little sharks, you've got the big fish, little shit fish, medium fish, all the way down to our coral reefs and the plankton, 
you've got all that and it's in balance because sharks are at the top. You take away that or you take away something mid-level, there's a knock-on effect because of things eating things that they shouldn't and then some things can't eat, you know. You talked about parrotfish, didn't you, Tracy? Um, you know, they, they eat all the algae. That's why you see them munching. You can hear them, can't you? If you don't, oh, you know, aren't they beautiful? Is that the crackle we hear? Is it the parrotfish? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I love it's, that noise. Balance, balance in the ecosystem. Everything's got a job. You take something away. There's a knock on effect. Most of the coral reefs here are dead dying in an awful condition because the sharks were fished out so long ago you, you, you will cool. you will see that in different places that you go diving so we always say they're kings of the ocean we need to protect them they might not be cute and cuddly like dolphins or turtles but they are so important and they're cool we said they're sharks they are, are cool, cool. You show all their senses you know how how they can hear how they can detect taste and they can you know one single drop of blood in whatever thousands of um, gallons of water you know they are amazing superheroes of the ocean so they keep our ocean balance you know they're scavengers as well they eat the dead the dying the weak or the injured and again if you're talking about fish stocks sharks need to be there to make sure it's survival of the fittest because the crap fish are going to get eaten by the sharks because they can't right. swim away or, you know or the injured or whatever and that's what it, what's supposed to be so that keeps the balance so that's the biggest thing with regard sharks and you know what they've been in our oceans more than 400 million years wow before dinosaurs they need some respect to me just that fact shows it should be in our ocean they were around before dinosaurs i did not yeah. know that yeah so they they coexisted you know you hear about megalodon wow. being like the dinosaur shark kids love megalodon um <laughs> It was a massive version of the great white shark. I think great white sharks are big. I don't know if you've ever seen right. any. I've seen the not, in, not in real life. Oh, maybe that's me. I think we need a shark guardian and siren soapbox expedition one day. Yes! Let's there. do it. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Can you imagine a shark that's about 16 or 18 meters long? No. It's a great white shark. Yeah. I can't imagine I we're, that. We're going off track right now, aren't we? But yeah, they lived, they coexisted, but dinosaurs were wiped out for whatever, whatever reasons, including dinosaur sharks. Um, and great white sharks lived back then and they still survived. You know, it just shows how they adapt and that they're so frigging cool that they are still here today. Like that is just... Haven't octopuses been around that long too? I love octopuses. Octopus is amazing. That's probably my favorite sea creature. Me too. Oh! Is that, is that an octopus? Come on, I love an octopus. We can't have the shark garden. Oh, look at Jess. Oh, where's your shark top? Come on. But the octopus <laughs> is my favorite. Oh, wait, wait, I have a, hold on. <gasps> what you got, girl? You got sea turtle. Oh, look, God. I have a manatee. I, I got my oh. sea turtle bracelet. The shark on it and it says protect what you love. Oh, I love that. So it was dirty. So I had to, you had to wash it to get ready. Wear a different one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I have, I want to go. I have a couple more questions. I don't know where we are in time because I don't remember what time we started. Oh, I know we didn't start right at 8.30. We've almost but... hit an hour. Okay. We're close. We're getting close. Okay. Um, so I, maybe this is more of a comment. I believe that that woman who works for the plastic 
pollution coalition who suggested that we eliminate seafood from our diet no longer has a job. And I wonder if anyone else thinks that. Sure. You can find that on Google. (laughs) It's going to be very easy. I think to look it up. That was a comment. There are so many comments and articles now saying she didn't actually say, and when she said what she meant, I feel like if there's that much backtracking, somebody, that was a bad week for someone. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, there, there were, there were sea turtles way back when there were dinosaurs too. And I don't know if you pronounce it Archelon or Archelon. I pronounce it Archelon because Archie Carr's father sea turtle research. I'm going so (laughs) off But I had to. She had to bring up her turtles. (laughs) But it shows Uh, how quickly people can fall from a pedestal. It shows how quickly social media can wreck somebody's life or how people in big corporations need a scapegoat sometimes, you know, again, to sweep the messes under the carpet. That's exactly right. We have to do our research. And that that organisation, the fact that they're doing stuff to save plastics, to save the oceans to, with regards to plastics, it, it is needed. We well, it is needed. Except I, it looks like they were tied back or somehow related to the Earth Island Institute yeah. who hands out yeah. dolphin safe tuna labels like it's Halloween candy. <laughs> so I don't know what to believe anymore. Expensive <laughs> Halloween candy. Yes. There's the same with uh, there's. Uh, there's like a turtle safe label for, um, there are these nets, they're called TED nets that have turtle excluder devices in them for shrimp. And they put that turtle, that turtle safe label on things. But then I was reading an article articles about that. And they're like, there's almost no way to make certain that like the fishermen will put the, the turtle excluder devices on their nets and they'll get everyone to like give their check marks and sign on the dotted line and get their little stamp of approval. And then they'll go out into the sea, they'll pull their nets up, take the excluder device off, put the net back in without it. And sometimes they do it just because this is the net my granddaddy used. Yeah. I'm not using your device. Mm-hmm. I'm using the net my grandfather used. And I guess if they still have the net their grandfather used, at least it's not floating around in the, the fucking ocean. Sorry, Liz, we've not, we started cussing. We've, not, we've reached the cussing portion of the episode. We've not talked about, you know, the ghost, ghost nets, ghosting. Again, we talk, started talking about this seven or eight years ago. We've got a very good friend who did a documentary about it in the Baltic Sea, and he highlighted how many tons of fishing nets there are. And, you know, that is a practice that needs to stop. There are lots of organizations now making them. And I saw it after watching Seaspiracy twice last week, somebody shared something about people making these giant mats, you know, like floor mats, like big tiles out of discarded fishing nets. Like lots of people are starting to do Hmm. things. So if there can be a process that say, hey, fishermen, don't just dump it in the sea that's killing, you know, whale sharks and turtles or whatever. Um, you know, let's get a process. You know, maybe that's something that can come from this film that there needs to be a better way of discarding. For sure. not, not just blame the fishermen. What is the solution for, for helping that? But I but agree that, with that. Ghost, ghost nets are a massive, massive problem. Yeah, you'd think that they'd be able to like, you know, these are the nets you're taking out. Show me the nets you're bringing back. And or you're going to be fined and that money is going to go towards some conservation effort or something. I don't know. Even better than that, Mer, if the companies, instead of using ghost nets, they used discarded nets and they paid the fishermen for the nets. Give us your discarded nets and we'll give you this much money 
then we're not trying to get the ghost nets out of the sea. And maybe that would motivate fishermen to bring their discarded nets back to land. And so now, Tracy, that's a good point. It feels like no matter where you live with government, it's all negative, 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 punish, punish, punish. Instead of thinking about it in the reverse, like Mm -hmm. making, you know, putting the positive spin on it, which there's a positive spin on everything we do. Just like when you, when we wrote that acceptable use policy years ago, and we changed everything from you will not, you will not to I will, I will, I will. It's that makes a difference. Yeah. think there has to be an incentive like that especially when you're talking about the fishermen who don't get much money even those working on the big commercial boats you know the actual guys doing the thing and again it touched on the slave labor and the stuff going on in thailand it's just awful it is it is and i have somebody two different people who have been on those boats and investigated that and 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 have seen some really horrible stuff that they can't share and publish because it's it is life or death it's right scary my son was listening in the other room he didn't see anything but he was listening and he talked to my husband later he said i had no idea slavery still existed i thought that was something that happened hundreds of years ago and there's more slavery today than there ever was on the planet like that's a scary issue yeah and and i i I know i mentioned in my soapbox about how wiping out an entire industry isn't the solution however i i I agree 100% that the commercial fishing industry is way too big. It's out of control. There's no way to manage it. There's no way, like they're, they're just out there doing whatever the hell they want. Do we really need that much fish? Like that's, that's I don't think out. so. We, we don't. Watching that, And I looked at Dino and I'm like, how do we need this much? How do we need that much fish? Do we, do we need that much fish? Think, think it's is, supply it, and demand yeah and I, and I think this is the other thing about sea spiracy it's not actually going to get seen by some countries some nationalities who do consume more seafood it's those the ones who could do with seeing it the same like we go into certain countries to talk about shark finning so that these kids who go to weddings or birthdays and are given shark fin soup who know no better whose parents know no better because it's all a status you know we show them the facts and and it's this is a you know this is a, a similar thing about consuming seafood there are or used to be groups and groups of tourists that come to thailand and all they do is eat seafood the whole time they're here a mass massive amounts so this is the kind of thing, not pointing any fingers or, you know, um, but there are certain countries who do eat a lot. And some countries who have overfished their own waters, there's no fish left in certain waters. So they yeah. go to all the different countries and take theirs. And that's what happened. That's the Somali fishermen. That's, that's what's happened there. You know, they go elsewhere. Um, linked to that, in case you don't know, with regards shark finning, and this applies to overfishing as well, the top shark finning nation is Indonesia. The third is Spain. I can't remember all the numbers, but the third is Spain. It is a European country. And if you took all the European nations that are involved in shark fishing and shark finning, it makes up a third of all the shark fishing that goes on. And this is when you come back to how can I convert my friends to think about it? 
you know it's right. not just an asian issue they blame it on that and say yeah this is happening over there whatever you see the videos of you know all the trash in indonesia or whatever no this is this is a global problem and it's, it's about a global issue protect the oceans protect the planet save our lives I think one of the things I've taken away from it, um, I, I don't know about Jess, but I know how Tracy and Elsie feel about seafood. I love seafood. I eat seafood all the time. Love it. <laughs> all right. So I'm like the only one on this, on this meeting right now who loves seafood. Um, but after last night, um, I, it, it doesn't make sense to eat seafood in Ohio, especially because I'm only eating it for like, the, like I said, the, the health benefits. And when I, I do this, when I go out of town near the ocean and I order seafood, I always ask if it's like local. And I, I am so surprised. Most of the time it's not, they're like, no, it's mm. brought in like, dude, I am on a fucking beach, <laughs> your seafood is not local. So that's the other thing. It's hard. So one of my takeaways is no matter what food it is you're consuming, it, it just seems it makes sense for our planet to eat what's local to you for so many reasons, including the fish. If you're going to, if you live on a, in a city that's on the ocean and you can get local fish, but the commercial fisheries, it just seems like it's, I, I, it doesn't feel like an industry I want to support any longer. <laughs> I didn't realize how, you know, kind of disgusting it was, but. Again, guess, it's now you do your research and you, and you make those no parrot fish. Definitely. Never, no never. Who eats parrot fish, who eats parrot fish anyway? I, I didn't. Think I've never heard of that. They do. They do. On, on my okay. island, they eat parrot fish. So, so here's a nightmare story. We had a, a guest, a house guest, and uh, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to local fish market. I'm going to buy some fresh fish. I'm going to cook you up some fish. And Dean's like, okay, that's great. Tracy will eat the vegetables because she doesn't eat sea creatures. And he's like, well, maybe you can at least try it. I said, I, if it's fresh and it's locally caught, I might try a bite and, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So we're sitting there eating and I put it in my mouth and I'm like, yeah, it's not really that good. And Dean's like, what is this? And the dude's like, oh, it's, it was like blue and green and yellow. And I'm like, who? It was a parrotfish in my mouth. And so I'm just like, I get up and I walk away. And Dean's like, oh my God, you just fed Tracy parrotfish. Oh, no. oh my God. It's your favorite fish. It's Tracy's uh, favorite fish, by the way. One of, two, one of two. I love squirrel fish and parrot fish. They're so freaking cute. <laughs> That's yeah. awful. Oh. That would be like that would be like being fed a bite of of dog. The one different episode, Merhad. The one and only time I have ever had fish, it was lionfish because that's a problem in our area yeah. of the world. Oh, yeah. And we did a lionfish derby. So we killed off a bunch of lionfish and then they <laughs> cooked it up and um, they partner with Whole Foods. So the fishermen will turn in this fish to, to Whole Foods. So they're helping that problem. But Mur, kind of going back to what you were saying, how how do you know if something's locally caught unless you ask? Like, I don't. Well, that is a even, good solution, but how do you how do you fix that? 
Well, even if you ask, you don't know if they're telling you the truth. Do you remember that restaurant we were? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can sometimes like on, like if you live on a small Island and you know, the restaurants, I mean, that's true. Fishermen pull up and they're carrying like fish into the kitchen. You're like, I'll have that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be different. And, And there are sometimes during different times of the year, there are more fish here than other times of the year and all of a sudden every restaurant will have wahoo because there are so many wahoo swimming around so if you go to a restaurant and you get wahoo you're like yeah it's probably local right now because it's i mean there are ways to tell here anyway I, in, right in, but when you're visiting in but cincinnati you can tell because nothing's local <laughs> right that's what i was just gonna say but if you're visiting a beach town you wouldn't know that sort of thing unless you were happen to see the dude walk out of the ocean and up to the restaurant with a string of fish, you know. I say though, most of the restaurants here, I can't see them lying about that. No, like, I, 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 yeah, what's I, your experience, Liz, where you live. If if somebody walked in and said, "Is this local?" Would do you think they would get an honest answer? No, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. They would just smile and say yes. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you want to hear. Too. That's yeah. what you want to hear. And, and you need you're going to. People, people sorry, feel better yeah. for it. Sorry. Yeah. So people feel better for hearing that because that's what they want to hear. So this is when it comes back to the only solution in those kind of places is saying no, because you don't know where it's coming from. And some fish are mislabeled as well. Um, yeah, I won't get into that. But some fish are, or things, something, some sharks are labeled as fish to get away with being sold. So that's that's a whole mm. other thing as well. So again, it's like another what? What? What are they washing. labeled? So rock rock salmon is a rock salmon is a form of very small shark, a dogfish shark, um, and then flake um, flake that you sometimes have that in Australia and also um, England is flake is labeled as a, a fish but it's actually a, a shark as well again another deep sea shark so without that knowledge you just go oh yeah flake i like flake yeah i'm gonna have that um, and you eat in shark so they don't have a duty to tell people that and the fish some of the fishermen sorry the fishmongers or if it's in a supermarket the the fishmongers are not going to know that kind of information they're just told what's what to read on the card right. um, and i think that it's the this is the thing about the cost of fish as well. So if you've got these illegal fishing operations or, you know, all this corrupt fishing stuff and fishing on a global scale, that can end up being sold cheaper to a country than sending their own boats out and fishing sustainably in a small fashion. So that's why often you think it's locally caught, but actually it's not because it's cheaper for a country to import it. Right. Um, that's it's like it's like thing. fruits here. Most of mm. our fruits, if you go to the grocery store and buy fruits, most of them are they're imported. There aren't yeah. a, a lot of. I mean, the, uh, banana trees grow like weeds here, but our bananas are they have a chiquita label on them. <laughs> it's, it's messed up. It's messed up, isn't it? All things like that are messed up. It's like, come on, start the slate, start again. Let's all live on live off grid grow our own fruit and veg, live sustainably, but then who are the big corporations that are not making their money because they're dictating what we're shown and what we're supposed to eat? It it comes back to, it's a massive complicated topic as as Seaspiracy showed. There are so many things happening in the world. 
stuff that we're not even shown through the media. Um, social media is a powerful tool to do good. And that's something that I'm trying to do to inspire others. And through Shark Guardian, you know, we don't, we do show the shark fishing stuff. And when we go into schools, we do show the facts, but we don't do it hard, like showing all the blood and (laughs) gore that that Sea Spiracy did. But some people do need that. Um, Do your research, keep making those small steps, small changes. You know, Mo, if you just don't eat seafood, once a week or the next time you go you think "Mm, I might have that um, algae and um, goat instead then you know that's a small change that could be a big impact if everybody did the same we might have a backlash from goat lovers now I didn't mean that in any way (laughs) I mean I do like goat No you more goat, goat yoga all over this island. Like there's a <laughs> lot of goats being eaten on St. Croix. I'll tell you right now. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's local. Right. And I think that's kind of where I'm leaning now. I'll eat just yeah. eat local. It's what's native to you. And if you really need to eat the seafood, then go someplace where the seafood is local. Okay. But I'm going to talk about that for just a minute because we went on a dive trip to St. Lucia and I love St. Lucia and I would go back. It was amazing, but we did some diving there. And we didn't see anything big. We didn't see sharks. We didn't see turtles. We saw a ton of little fish everywhere. So, so many of them, but there was nothing big. And so we came out and we were like, it's so weird. We've been on three dives and we haven't seen a single turtle. And the lady's like, you have to go to the market. And I'm like, oh, oh that's it's legal. It's legal. And so our, our taxi driver was, he was encouraging us to go to the market and so I said to Dean, you realize if you take me to the market, you're buying every freaking turtle at the market. And then we're going to come back every day. And we're just going to keep, even though I'm sure that supports the practice, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm not walking away from them. So every day we're going to go back and buy the same freaking turtles because they're just going to recatch them. So no, I'm not going to the market today, but even the local fishing practices there, because this, this wasn't my understanding is this wasn't like big commercial fishing. This was the local people eating the turtles. And like I, I, t- I went on That's a dive a on point. Sunday and I lost track of the turtles. I-, I can't tell you how many I saw. I can tell you at one time I saw three above me and one beside me, but on the whole dive, I lost count. I didn't see one the whole time we were on St. Lucia. What probably is happening there is you've got the commercial fishing boats that are probably coming in that you don't see. Again, for example, another country that's fished their waters. So they start to just move in all these different places. So the locals that used to go out and find the pelagics and manage it all in a sustainable way, they've not got it anymore. So they have to start fishing closer to home. And that's when they start catching the reef fish. And that's the sad bit. When that starts happening, you've got a massive, again, catastrophic effect on the ecosystem already because you've, you've, the top predators have gone, the mid-level predators, it, it's this, this knock-on effect. With the coral reefs healthy, because that's the worry that later that that's, they start dying for that reason. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I, I still, because like you said, Liz, it took, it takes days for, for, for to process this, 
documentary. I just watched it last night and I'm still just going through all, like I have three pages of notes. We haven't even scratched the surface of all the things I want to talk about, but it, we have been recording for so long. I just feel like we need to be respectful of people's time and, um, Gosh, I, I just want to get back together with you again. I hope you enjoyed this time with us as much as we enjoyed it with you, because you are definitely getting an invite back to the uh, <laughs> to the siren soapbox. <laughs> that would be um, an honor. It's been awesome. Good. Thank you. We, we really enjoyed having you. We want to leave our listeners this week with a challenge, which we do every week. Liz, this is your first time, but we leave our challenger or our listeners with a challenge each week. And this week, what we're thinking is if everyone does something small to help heal our planet, we will see big positive changes. So tell us what you're passionate about by doing something in line with your passion that's going to help heal our planet. Tell us about that by sharing your pitch, your pictures on social media and just use the hashtag Siren Soapbox. Um, our sirens tonight were on the mainland, Lauren, Jess, and Mimer from St. Croix. We had Tracy or TC and all the way from Thailand, right? Thailand? I'm in Thailand, yes. <laughs> we have we have Liz Ward Singh. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was it's been a real pleasure to speak with you tonight. We I learned so much talking to you. Thank you. We want to thank uh C Strings one last time for the the acoustics they provided for us for our opening and our closing, um, our intros and our outros. Thank you so much. And until next time, to all of our listeners, dive in. Stay curious and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias and don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.